0: You think. Welcome to the I Work for Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Each and every day on the I Work for Him show, we try to focus on discussions that will change, that will help challenge you to change the way you think about workplace ministry and your life in Christ. Because you just can't get enough challenge about bringing your life of Christ into where you go each and every day. And today we're talking with John Crossman, with Crossman and Company out of Orlando. He just finished talking at the Christian Chamber of Commerce Tampa Bay luncheon. And we wanted to bring John on the show because he talked about inspiring Christian leadership. And we wanted to share that with the audience because if you couldn't make the lunch today, I want to make sure you share it with everybody else in Tampa Bay. But next month, there's another luncheon on the Christian Chamber of Commerce Tampa Bay. And you can find out more about them at c3tb.org. John, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be here with you. We also have John's faithful assistant, Thomas Bolin, in the studio. We're not sure if he's going to talk or not, but he's got headphones on, and he looks good, and he's got a sweet tie on. So,
1: <laughs> Thomas, welcome to the IWork Work for him show. I don't All know right. if I'll say anything or much, but they say I have a face for radio, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, you. Well, you were saying that about John earlier. I'm trying to out how you say that about your employer. All
0: right. So, John... You, you run a big company, but I don't really want to hear about that just yet. I really want to hear today on how is Christ making an impact on your life today?
2: You know, Jim, it's interesting. I, I, I could write out for you all of the successful things that have happened to me in the last two years, and you would be like, wow, John, that's great. Man, your life is going great. That's so interesting, exciting, whatever. And I could also equally write out what's happened in the last two years, and it's awful. And you would, you would say, John, that's the worst two years I've ever heard of. And I've had him at the exact same time. And so um, I've grown substantially in the last two years. I feel closer to Christ now than I've ever felt in my entire life. And I've suffered deeper in the last two years than I ever thought uh, possible. Um, so it, it's funny. I can remember studying um, you know, the book of James where it talks about rejoicing your sufferings. And uh, I, I never figured it out until this year until I was really able to rejoice in my sufferings. I hated it, but I was able to rejoice in it. Um, so that's been a big a big learning process for me, is accepting the fact that as believers, and particularly in the workplace, when we're doing, we can make all the right decisions and do all the right things, and yet, suffering is part of that process. And uh, knowing that there's purpose in it, and trying to encourage others through that, and trying to get Get to pray and they got to have the
0: Holy Spirit guide us through those tough times. You mean if we follow Christ, we're not guaranteed all fame, fortune, riches, and an easy life? <laughs> oh yeah. Jesus never said that. So if you hear a preacher telling you that on Sunday morning, saying hey, just give more money because God's got a good plan for you to have the easy life and an easy road and fame and fortune, Jesus said... Your father will hate you. Your mother will hate you. Your children will turn you <laughs> into the local authorities. That, that suffering is part of following Christ, but he, he never wastes suffering in our lives. He always uses suffering in our lives. Yes. And that's a
2: hard concept for people. Uh, one of the things I talked about earlier was that I have a friend of mine that's a, um, uh, a marriage counselor, and he also does uh, pastoring. And he got asked one time, what's the top reasons why people end up marriage counseling? And the first one he said is uh, spending money they don't have. Number number, That's obvious. Uh, The other one's obvious is uh, having sex with someone that's not your spouse. That's an easy way to get into marriage counseling. Just note that, Jim. That's a good thing to always know. And then number three is not understanding that suffering is a part of life. And trying to avoid it, Mm. and if you look at our culture, our culture is trying to to get around suffering, and so the the difference is in the Christian faith is we need to embrace it. And I will tell you that maybe it was subconscious, but I think I had a belief system for a long time that, you know, if I uh, tithed and I went to church and I voted for the right people or you know or whatever culturally, that my life would be just good, just good things would happen, and um, I I have totally changed my viewpoint. That I have a lot of great things happen to me, blessings after blessings. And yet, suffering is part of it. And when we study Scripture, that's what we see. I mean, we see all kinds of stories. It's part of us getting closer to Christ. And and I will say this now. Um, I go to bed content. I wake up content. I don't know what's going to happen next day. <laughs> uh, Thomas and I will have had some – the, the last 60 days, Thomas and I have done some amazing things and met – a lot of different politicians and famous people, and some projects we've been working on. It's been crazy. It's been I mean, crazy. You can't. You can't even. You couldn't even mapped it out. If I would have said, "What we end up, we ended up, that last part us, we met with President Obama. I mean, it was an amazing experience that we've had. Um, and yet, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen next. You say, "Well, what's next for me and Thomas and our business? I don't know. We just keep praying about it and trying to be where God
0: calls us to be. Well, so what? Do you, I mean. I mean, and that's fantastic because the the whole suffering thing. I I, I love that the way you described that that you've learned to be content in it, and that's what Paul was talking about in Philippians four eleven through thirteen that he had to learn to be content whether things were good or bad. Right. He just learned to be content, and that he could do all things through Christ who gave him strength. So let's just do, talk a little bit about your business background. What, what I mean, Crossman and Company. What do you do? Uh, well, uh, can I talk about my dad real quick? First? Of course you can, can. Can I say that first? Uh, well,
2: my, you wouldn't be here without him. That's right. Either of my fathers. Um, uh, my dad was a pastor and a civil rights leader and did a lot of amazing work all over the state of Florida. And so I'm a preacher's kid, as is Thomas. Thomas is also That's a preacher's, right. preacher's kid.
0: Oh, it, you it, both look fairly normal, it, too. Right.
2: <laughs> but one of the things about preacher's kids is that preacher's kids, they've done studies of uh, doctor's kids and lawyer's kids and preacher's kids. And in professionally, uh, preacher's kids tend to outperform them. Uh, tend to have that do better, bigger jobs, have more successful careers, and this is my own theory on this: is that I think that when you're a pastor's kid, you grow up in an educated home. You know, your, your parents are typically well educated; that's a good thing. Uh, number two, you're raised in a moral household, and that's a good thing. But the third one is the kicker: you grow up poor. You know, and right. so when you grow up poor, educated, and moral, that's a good, you know, you know. The chemistry to make some some good things happen, so we grew up in a house that um uh you know justice and standing up for people and promoting education was really core cool, important things. Now, so my brother's nine years older than me, but I'm mom's favorite. Just so you know, <laughs> he he uh, he likes to be reminded of that. If you ever see him, please say that. But anyway. So when um, uh, you work with your brother, don't we you? do. No, my brother founded Crossman Company in 1990. Uh, I graduated from college in 1993 with a degree in real estate, um, and I injured with him. We didn't. We didn't ever work together. He uh, had a small company in Orlando. I worked for several large real estate corporations, and I had what you call the. Uh, young guy's dream real estate career. You know, I was 27 and a senior vice president for a major company. I was 32 and was a national leader for the company and made more money than ever thought I could possibly make. And I hated my life. Every single day I got up and I just completely You mean hated. all of that money didn't make you happy? No, it was, I didn't care. I, it just, it was terrible. And so finally what happened is uh, I went and saw a Christian counselor and that was really helpful to me and, and helped me work through a lot of those different issues. we we'll talk about that if you want, but I ended up resigning for my company, the company I was with, big, huge company, and when I resigned, I did not have a plan. There was no there was no business plan. There was no, you know, this vision of what I had, um, but I really tried to, to do it in the right way, and I've never heard of this before or since. When I resigned, it's usually like Jerry Maguire, where people just freak out because you're brokerage and whatever. Uh, they allowed me to forward all my voicemails and emails for three weeks, you know, so I had a really nice separation. Um, but I visualized myself handcuffing myself for the sake of my family uh, so that I could be off off not traveling. And I called my brother and I said, hey, can I come work with you? And, and he said yes. And so here's the two of him and I working together.
0: All right. We've been talking with John Crossman from Crossman & Company about... Well, we haven't got started talking about inspiring Christian leadership. He was really just sharing some of his testimonies. So we're going to get back to him. And the reason we bring on Christian business people on my show all the time so that you can hear from real people about how God's working in their lives. And and John happens to be in real estate, and it sounds like you've met a lot of really cool people in the last year, couple of years. But you said you're getting into the story about how you went to go work for your brother. Right. You, 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 just, you got tired of abusing your family with the real estate market that you were in. I mean, talk <laughs> about how you got to go, in, go, go back to that, how you got to go into work for your brother.
2: Yeah, it's so what I was saying is that uh, I, I was really at the peak of my career. I was at the top, top, top of my career. And I, you know, I went to a lot of people for advice and to get help, and a lot of good people. But they kept coming back and saying things like, "Just keep doing what you're doing." I mean, I had this big job, making a lot of money, wasn't happy, was, but I wasn't happy. And what I really figured out that, that process was, I wanted to be home more, and so um, I quit my job and called my brother if I could just come come work with him. And he had a small smaller real estate company, just a handful of people. But my visual was that I was I was handcuffing my career, uh, making my career smaller so that I could focus on my family and, and spend more time with my brother. My dad had recently died, and so spend spent more time with my brother and then spending more time with my wife and my, my daughters, who were very young at the time. So here's a crazy thing that happened is um, I got in there with my brother, and I bought half the company, uh, didn't have any kind of great big plans, but really had some boundaries of being home on the weekends at night. And guess what? My career exploded. It got so much bigger than I ever thought it possibly would be, um, but it would not have happened if I wouldn't have taken that step of submission uh, and really listening to what I feel like God was calling me to
0: do. Making that move and moving away from your, what you thought was your dream job so you could focus on your wife and your children, did that make an impact on your marriage? Oh my gosh,
2: yeah, of course, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't quite understand. You know, I think that uh, uh, as per, uh, I could quote the TV show Breaking Bad. I did not watch a lot of Breaking Bad, but if you know anything about that show, one of the most interesting parts was in the very last episode of it, uh, the character of Breaking Bad, who was a chemistry teacher that got cancer but was started dealing in cooking meth to, you know, to help out money for his kids. In the very last episode of Breaking Bad, he is talking to his wife, and it sounds like he's going to say, I did it all for you. And she says, I don't want to hear it. He says, no, I did it all for myself. And the truth in that is I think a lot of business leaders fall in that trap because they'll say, well, I'm, I'm making a lot of money, and I'm traveling, I'm doing this thing, and I'm doing it for my family. But they're really not. They're no. doing it for themselves. And, and and they got to be to learn be more honest with them and a key factor i think in business success and, and being a christian business leader is having boundaries and so like one of my things is is that i'm home for dinner every night i, I have a limited amount of nights i'm allowed to be out of town in a month and, and, I, and i put these on it and i have nothing scheduled on saturdays and sundays do i miss a lot of things sure i miss a ton of stuff uh, but I, it's a you got to pray about being just discerning and making time and, it, and I, I this is a true story I got invited uh, this Friday uh, to meet Michelle Obama, and I actually had met Mrs. Obama a couple weeks ago in part of an initiative that Thomas and I are working on. Well, the, on this Friday, I've already agreed to be a chaperone uh, for my daughter's field trip to NASA, and so I told the contact, I said, "Hey, I appreciate the invite, but you know, my I, I, I respect the First Lady, but I made a commitment to my daughter. That's what I'm going to do." So I called my daughter, at eleven. I told her story, thinking she'd be really happy, and she said, "Well, Dad." Why can't we just both go see Michelle Obama? <laughs> 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 but my point being is that, um, you know, you got to make choices. And you got
0: to make a commitment and you stand by it. And mm. I think God will bless that. You know, those, those words that you said that, you know, a lot of people will say, hey, I'm traveling for you, I'm working hard for you. It's all about, I'm doing this for my family. Those wise words you said, but it's really a lie. That you're really doing it for your own ego, for your own self-centered interests. And a lot of guys don't know that. Until the their wives on the so, phone yeah. or they're texting them going, I want a divorce. right Or their kids are in jail and they're like, dad, you were never there for me. I yeah. don't even know what it is to even have a dad. I mean, and that's the plague in our society on all ends of it. Fathers just aren't involved enough in the family and they don't realize the strong role. And it's it is a lie. Now, there's a lot of women out there pursuing big careers, too. But this is more of a men plague than it is a woman plague. But that that plague where. You know, it is fun. Working is fun. I mean, and as men, we like to provide and protect, and we really like to work. It's very easy to get addicted to it. Very easy, and and it, by the way, works easy. Uh, for me, it is. Yeah, it's,
2: it's way easier than marriage and raising kids. Yeah, and and so having daughters, sometimes it's hard. And, I, and and not that I don't love them. I I, I don't. When I had my daughters. It's a love I just didn't even you know existed. I mean, I, it's amazing, and the relationship I have with them is phenomenal, and yet there's times I don't know how to talk to them, um, uh, and, and they, and so I'm, I'm still learning that. And and so work is easy. Sometimes being a husband and being a father is not natural, and it's not easy, and so I need to step into that. i got to own that. And I, and I think the line I really want to say about the earlier comment about um, people in their careers, middle their careers, a lot of times they're saying they're doing it for their family, and they're destroying their family, mm. and that happens over and over and over again um, and And when you talk to people older in life uh, that older, they will look back and talk about it in regret mm. um, and so it's a good thing to learn that lesson younger
0: yeah I, I talk my wife and I do marriage mentoring and and have done it for many 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 years, fifteen years, and a line we use all the time is that nobody on their deathbed is ever going to go, "Oh, I just wish I'd worked more." <laughs> Nobody, right? Nobody is going to say, "Boy, I wish I'd worked more." Right? They, they always say, "I just wish I'd spent more time in my family. I wish I'd spent more time investing in my family." Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a tough thing. All right, so you talked today about Christian leadership, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I really want to I want to just repeat you know pieces of that uh, speech from today at the Christian Chamber of Commerce Tampa Bay Feather Sound meeting and really start to discuss those points maybe in a little bit deeper fashion. You know, why speak about inspiring Christian leadership? What do you mean by that?
2: Well, because I think it's crucial. I think that when we look at our society, let's just look in the business community. Corporate America has a lot of bad rap on it. And I think a lot of times there's, there are things that are happening in the business community that are not good. And so I asked the crowd, I said, who is going to lead us out of this? And it needs to be Christian business leaders. And so I went through a lot of different advice that I have for them on on things to do with that. Um, And a lot of them, just so you know, I start with some don'ts. um, and, and, And one of them was like, don't play the Christian card, you know, that a lot of people lead with that. And what do you mean by that? Uh, well, you know, I'm a Christian,
0: Jim, and we should therefore do business. Oh, that, oh, that, oh that, yeah. That, I mean, everybody knows the answer to that one, though. That's great. I love the way you just said that. Everybody, everybody knows. Now, Thomas, I hope you're doing that for taking pictures. You know, he's, he's got this he's getting fingerprints, taking pictures. It's a new iPhone. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a new iPhone. Everybody's
1: new... not able to have one. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's <So> <laughs> real. play with
0: it. Okay. So the, um, That is when somebody uses and plays the Christian card. Right. That is absolutely the number one thing that turns people off. Oh, yeah. And the minute that somebody plays a Christian card, people run the opposite direction, because everybody that's ever done business with somebody Mm -hmm. who played the Christian card, because you always make that mistake once, Mm -hmm. those are the people you lose money to. Those are the people that you get screwed by. Those are the people that are the absolute worst deals ever. Because all the pe- up until 2008, all of the people I ever lost money to and ha- was involved in bad business deals, they were all people who played the Christian card to
2: me. Yeah. Well, I would say that when I think of the three worst employees I ever had that we fired or they resigned or whatever, they were all card-carrying Christians and really put that out there. And so uh, there's there's a balance here that I said that kind of be the opposite of that. And the first thing hit on is like, hey, if you want to be a successful Christian business leader... Let's talk about this first. You got to be great at your business, right? You know, John Rivers is going to be talking at the next uh,
0: Tampa Bay Christian Chamber of Commerce right. meeting. He makes the best barbecue. He's oh. number
2: one at making the best barbecue. Now you okay? have to,
0: right now, you got to go to Jacksonville or Orlando in order to be able to get this stuff, but they're coming to Tampa Bay in early next year. Right. And so if he said, hey, I'm a Christian business guy, but his barbecue was bad,
2: like, that's not going to work. You got to start with being a great, successful business person. So, is that. And then one of the other big things I talked about is, like, instead of playing the Christian card, what it's about is great Christian leaders are relevant at a point of crisis. That is just one of the key messages I try to send out. You know, if one of your employees or one of their family members gets arrested, go visit them in jail. Um, I was visiting a friend of mine in jail on Friday. And I um, uh, had a really strong, experience, good experience with him. And by the way, I've known this guy for a long time. Was he ready to hear about, about the, the gospel? Yes. Yeah. You know, yes. yes. It's funny what going to jail would do that to you. Right. And, and Jesus told us to do that. Jesus told us to visit people in jail. The Apostle Paul told us to treat people in prison as if we were shackled next to them. Uh, if somebody from work or our family or is in the hospital. Go visit them. If somebody from work has a, has a family member that passes away, go to the funeral. On the, on the other side, on happy times, if a friend at work gets engaged, get him a card and, and say, God bless you, that's so great. And if you get invited to the wedding, go sit up right up front You know, and get, get, get him a big gift. The, the point being is, like what I want is, hey, if somebody closes a big deal and they want to go to a strip club, don't call me. I'm not your guy. But if somebody has a, a tragedy happen, uh, someone in jail, someone in the hospital, someone's passed away, call me. I want to be your guy. And I think that's a really important message as far as how to be relevant to people, and that's really when you can witness to
0: folks. Well, and I, and I would agree. Like you said, the, the, the people that the, – the cool opportunity – I want to go back to your comment, and we'll go to the relevant thing, but I want to go back to your playing the Christian card thing. Because the cool opportunity there are is the – those other leaders that, you, that play the Christian card, you can really go, hey, what do you really mean by that? Mm-hmm. Because don't just tell me you're a Christian. I want to see it. Give me some references. Let me, let me just see it in your life. Don't just tell me about it. Show me. And, and when you talk about hiring people, you know what, uh, what I encourage employers to do is never hire somebody without test driving them for a day. Mm-hmm. Always test driving for a whole day. Because you can really see character in a whole day. You can't necessarily see it in an hour-long interview, but you can see character in a day. Yeah. Nobody can pretend a whole day straight. Mm-hmm. You, always, you always just hear stuff. But this, this relevant leadership thing, I, I, I love the way you just said that. And I know you've got a story uh, from your engagement within networking groups. You, you talked about within the real estate world that there was an incredible story. How you got an opportunity to be a witness at a funeral, Because of, I gotta remember, I gotta pull my notes out. We'll talk about it right after the break, but we're we're people that have been persecuting you all along for your faith, but then when when the time came for a crisis, they came reaching out to you. That's right. That's right. So I want to talk to you about that story. That's a story that, that, that will be inspiring to people. That's what it really means to be relevant, is when people come looking to you in a time of crisis, they go, hmm, who do I know that's solid? Who do I know that I can really count on? Who do I know that will actually pray for me? Because that is the pe- people's normal reaction They're like, wow, life sucks. I should pray. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pray. Who do I know that can pray? Oh, I know John. I know Jim. I know Thomas. Right, I, I, They'll pray for me. I don't know how to pray, but they'll pray for me. So, And going back to that, John, you have a story that I think everybody needs to hear, because this is what it means to be a relevant Christian business leader. It's not on your business card. It's in your heart, and it shows to people. And when people are in crisis, they reach out to you. Talk about that story. Uh,
2: really an amazing thing that happened to me. Um, there is a uh, an individual in real estate that you know in, in real estate you compete but sometimes you're you're collaborating on deals and things like that and this person um, I just really sense strongly that they always didn't like me for years and part of it is I think that uh you know I'm I think I'm a really kind and try to be an open person but I'm conservative I don't I don't drink and I don't go to bars and things like that not judging people who do um, this group of people they were a pretty hard partying crowd partying scene. And so, you know, and they were, they were part of that, and again, that's fine. But I always really sensed they didn't really seem to like me. They just were not real kind, and that's how that happens. Anyway, so um, I got a uh, email sent to me that um, uh, this one person, that uh, her husband had passed away, and I knew him a little bit. Uh but not not real well or anything. And so when I got the email I called her and I and I you know realized like this is somebody I think probably doesn't like me and I don't even know that well but I really felt like the right thing to do was call, you know, somebody's husband died. And so when I called her I was shocked she answered the phone. And so I called and I just said, Hey, I, I just wanted to let you know I'm praying for you, is there anything I can do? And she just, you know, cried, cried, cried and cried and thanked me and, and I got off the phone and you know, I just felt like that was the right thing to do. And then I text her a couple of times, you know, just to say, how are you doing? How's it going? Well, then I got an email through a mutual friend that said, hey, the funeral's on, you know, a Friday. And I couldn't be there because I, uh, I was out of town. And so she said, um, uh, she wanted to know if, she, if you could write the eulogy uh, for, the guy, for her husband. And so I was thinking, you know, that was her amazed by that. Uh, but I did it. And, you know, again, my dad being a pastor, he did a lot of funerals. So I had a, a basic skill set of that, of how to write it. So I wrote that up, and I sent it. Well, then um, uh, when I went, I went on to a convention, and I I texted her again just to check in on her, and she called me. She was crying, and and I was just trying to encourage her to be healthy, drink plenty of water, try to get some exercise. I was trying to get her to do the healthy steps as you're processing through grief. Um, So then I got a call, uh, again, from another mutual friend that said, hey, she wants to have a memorial service, and she wants you to, to run it. She wants you to be the guy that runs it. And, uh, yeah, it was an immediate yes, because, I, I, again, I kind of I knew how to do that. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I drove there, and it was actually at a bar, which is kind of funny. Uh, but I went there, and I brought with me a bunch of Kleenexes, and I just, you know, just put them all around the room. Uh, at my office, we created a program, you know, and we, like, we put a, a picture on the front, and we put a scripture in it. And then we put, um, you know, just his bio. We researched it. So we really try. I really wanted to do a professional job. You know, she's asked me to do this, so I have a real program. So I did that. And then when I got there, um, there was a guy there that was supposed to be playing the guitar or something like that, and I I gave him 20 bucks to let me use his microphone so we could get kind of organized. And I got to tell you, Jim, when I walked in, there were so many people there that I always perceived didn't like me. It was was like this huge group of people of not fans of me, you know? And it was awesome. The, they were so kind and they were so loving. And it went very, very well. And um, I, f- I felt great about it. And uh, they said I, I got hugged more times than that than maybe any other time in my life. And I thought, this is bizarre. You know, I, I don't know why they picked me. I don't know why they asked me. I was so humbled. But I think, to you, you, one of your points earlier, is it may have been that in their world, they didn't know anybody. They didn't know anyone. It's in the movie um, Gravy with Sandra Bullock, and she thinks she's going to die, and she says, I don't know how to pray. No one taught me. And so I think that <laughs> it was probably in that situation is that, you know, they the only person they knew that was churchy was me. And I was honored and humbled and delighted to go and do that. And it was a wonderful experience. But
0: that's, that's what I want. That's the call I want to get. But there was years of consistent Christian witness leading up to that opportunity. Yeah. You or, know, or consistently inconsistent. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're right. None of us lead perfect lives, but at least people knew who you were, and they knew that you were approachable at the time of crisis.
2: Well, I appreciate that. You know, uh, I'm, I'm always one step away of totally screwing up. So you know, that, that, As we that, all that's, are. That's one part of it. But I really uh, try hard to be kind, and I try hard to be open and and to be able to communicate with people. That's very, very important to me. So so I I think that's part of it, and consistency. I have a longtime friend of mine, and uh, his daughter came to work for me. And he told me that people kept saying to him, like, you know, John, he seems like a nice guy, but now his daughter's working there. Is he really a nice guy? And he said, yes, he's really <laughs> a nice guy. You know, so, uh, but, you know, kindness is an important thing God calls us to be. God calls us Have to it be be g- one of those fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, he calls us to be gentle. And you know why we're called to be gentle? Because people are so fragile. They're so fragile. Hmm. So are just this important thing to reflect on how we're doing things.
0: Mm, uh, it's awesome. Hey, Thomas, you said you wanted to say something.
1: Sure thing. And so John and I, we believe in telling stories, obviously. And um, we have this saying that uh, if you're not telling your story, well, somebody else will. And so, Jim, we love you. We want to push what you're doing. And so if there's anything that John has said, you're out there listening and you want to you know, push this on social media, we want you to use the hashtag uh, #hashtag CrossmanCo that's C-R-O-S-S-M-A-N-C-O at A-T-W-T-I-S because we want to help share this story and build your brand. So say that one more time. CrossmanCo Crossman Co at yep. W-T-I-S and All we right. just want to tell a story. If there's anything that John has said that's been impactful and you want to tweet that, our company will retweet what it is that you tweet if you use this hashtag.
0: All right, I'm going to write that down so I get that. I'll write that down on the next break so we get that Short one so thing. I can put it out on my Facebook page. Because right now I haven't been tweeting because, good grief, I don't have enough time to do tweeting and Facebook at the same time. But you know, there's just enough life. All right, as part of being a relevant leader, how have your employees learned that they can count on you? Because that's a huge thing that that your employees know that they can trust you and know that you're a place of integrity and character. How uh, how have how have they learned?
1: I want you you ask Thomas that question, Thomas? So, The past couple of days, they've been crazy. My car broke down, and uh, you're talking about the president of a big corporation. Um, my, my, My car broke down, and I had to speak at Oak Ridge High School this morning, and the taxi that was supposed to pick me up this morning didn't show up. And I didn't want to cancel because, I mean, this is a big deal, right? The superintendent asked John of Orange County to come in and build his real estate program, and I've been put in charge of this. Well, who did I call this morning? I called John Crossman, and I was thinking, well, John's probably going to send a car. or And, and you know, I don't really want to ask the president of the company to kind of, like, rescue me. Well, John... Let this house, and he came and he picked me up this morning and drove me to my to 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 the high school that I was speaking at, and then he sat on the front row and listened to everything I had to say, and then got up and vouched and and, and shared some more, and then we went back to the office where he had a very important meeting, and so again that time of crisis where I'm a living example, right? He 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 did not have to pick me up, he could have kind of twisted that situation said well I don't know if Thomas is responsible enough and he did not have to come and pick me up well, what kind of and car do you drive maybe, maybe. a 1998 Land Rover Discovery and that's well, even a okay. blessing now, <laughs> a we should talk about responsibility John because
0: you know nobody should ever drive a European car because they break all the time you should know better you gotta get yourself something a good car walk right. away from that Land Rover Discovery okay I apologize I didn't mean to interrupt thank him. you
1: John for picking me up but I'm not, I mean seriously I don't know too many presidents of companies that would do something like that you know, for their employees. And so walking by example and being consistent, uh, John is definitely dependable. So,
0: now, John, you got a couple, you said girls. Yes,
1: sir. How old are, they, are your they're girls? They're 9, 11. All right, so they're
0: not working for you yet. No. Okay, no. all right. So, but if we were to go home and talk to your wife and ask the girls, if we were to interview them, what, what kind of, what would they say about your leadership in the home and, and your leadership as a dad? What would, how would they comment? How would they comment on how your business world is impacting your family life?
2: Uh, I hope they'd be positive about it. You know, it's funny. My daughters are very, they're at a very sweet age. Um, I'm very close with both of them, and they're very, very proud of me. And um, they, you know, they, they think it's great. And so we have a very positive relationship. And my marriage is great. My wife will sometimes be concerned um, about uh, the success or things like that. Thomas asked me about this one time. We were D.C. together, I think, and he said, how does your wife feel about all these things happening? Right. And I said, well, it concerns her sometimes because, you know, um, I think she thinks she's going to lose me, not lose me, forever lose me, but lose me in some times to business or to success or something. And so there's a balance there where she is, you know, cheering me on and being supportive. And there's another part of her that's saying, hey, slow down. And, and and you know, we need, you know, we need you here. And that's good. It's good that she's providing that. And I, I want to say a comment real quick, if you don't mind, now. It's about balance. You know, I have people say to me, like, well, John, you know, you work a lot. You're, you're moving around doing stuff. And then you have, um, you know, a family. So what is the key to balance? And one of it is some boundaries. But another one is there's less of me. There's just less of me.
0: What do you mean by that?
2: Well... Um, I I love college football and there's nothing I'd rather do than watch college football. You know, game day at 10:30 or whatever, and watch all it to midnight. And I don't watch it. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I'll see 30 minutes of it and that's it. And I, I say it this way: if my, my wife, we have a date night every every week, but if she's scheduled date night and it just happens to be at kickoff during the Super Bowl, I'm missing the Super Bowl. That's it. So, um, you know, there'll be a time when in my life where I'll get to, be able to go back and go to college football games and watch for college football games and do that because I love
0: that. Uh, but right now in the season, it's less of me. <laughs> I would—I doubt that comes back, because I will tell you that I gave up that stuff a lot of years ago. And God just seems to fill it with more and more ministry opportunities <laughs> after your kids grow and gone. It, It's—they it, just go, and, and none of that stuff has eternal significance anyway. I was a big NASCAR fan, football fan, baseball fan, and you know, it's not going to impact how, who we are in heaven. That's for sure. Right before the break, John, we talked about how, how you said there's just there's just. There's less of you. And really, we start talking about, okay, how you just, you know, if your wife schedules date night at the kickoff of the Super Bowl, which that'd be so disappointing because then you miss the commercials. Yeah, But now we can watch most of the commercials on YouTube ahead of time. But, you know, one of the things that I realized years and years and years ago in business is and in wanting to be that inspiring Christian leaders you talked about. Is that in a man-to-man conversation? If all, if I was up on sports, then that's the that's the least common denominator. Men would always go to you go to the weather or to sports. But if you eliminate first in Florida, the, the weather is boring. It's uh, cloudy with a chance of rain. Okay, piece of cake. It's going to be between seventy and ninety today. <laughs> you know, big deal. But I eliminated the common denominator of sports so that a man couldn't go to that least common denominator because I'm like, yeah, I don't follow sports anymore. I had to give it up because it was just not important. Mm-hmm. But it allowed me to dig into relationships so much faster because I had eliminate the garbage. And you get right to it. And, but really, how's your marriage going? How's your walk with Christ going? It, I eliminated it. Now, it doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy watching. I like NASCAR more than anything. But I, I gave that up because there's just more important things to do. And none of that is enriching my life in Christ.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, amen. Amen. I, I don't have anything to add to that. I think you're totally, totally, totally right. The only thing it's funny is i struggled in my life to let some things go and as i learned to let some things go it's been so freeing and i'll give you an example um you know i have a really nice tv really big flat screen tv and in august uh our house got struck by lightning and it was crazy i mean i saw the flash like it blew a hole through the walls, kind of thing it's crazy and so it destroyed a lot of our you know things in the house like that well the tv still hasn't been repaired it was August after. So, and I, don't, I only have two. That's because you can't turn in a homeowner's claim in Florida. Right. But my point saying is that is that, uh, uh, so I've had no, te- no TV for how, however long it's been. And um, at first, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so hard. But it's been really cool. It's been so cool that, like, when I get the TV finally fixed, I think that I'm just going to say, you know what, we're only going to allow it to be on a very limited amount, amount of day. Because it was liberating, and I, and I found that with a lot of things. I mean, there's different stuff that, you know, I was I was doing one thing or volunteering somewhere. And my wife was like, "Hey, I really wish you were not doing that." And part of my ego, whatever, be like, "Oh, I want to do it," but I've really learned to just say, "You know what? I'm just going to let that go." And it's 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 helped me immensely to be more content.
0: Well, you mentioned something earlier about golf, and now you mentioned volunteering. Those are two other hot topics. I mean, golf—if you've got time to go golf for four or five hours, that time could be better spent with your family because it is. Mark Twain said it best, golf is just a good walk spoiled. I mean it is fun, to hit a little white ball and it's a great walk, but in Florida they never let you walk. They always make you drive carts. But it it does take time away for your family. If you're doing it on the weekends, I mean it can take six hours to golf eighteen holes. Right. And there's always the and post golf stuff, but but go to the volunteering thing because that's a huge thing. Because a lot of people are going, well, I'm doing good things, honey. I'm on this board and I'm on this board. These are nonprofits. They're making an impact. You know, why isn't that volunteering stuff a good thing, John?
2: Well, it, it is. It can be a good thing, but again, it comes back to, to boundaries. You know, and you know, sometimes in life we're trying to make a decision and 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 uh, we don't know. Like that, the Bible doesn't blatantly say if I'm trying to do this job or that job. You know, the scripture doesn't necessarily say that. Although we have the Holy Spirit. But there's all kinds of things that totally guide us. Clear boundaries, and marriage is a clear ba- boundary. Traffic, you're a service
1: so, of many. Co-
2: so, so uh, boundary has a uh, marriage is a clear boundary, right? That we have to, you know, you have to make your marriage a top priority in your life. And so, I think that's one. Number two, um, when I think about uh, places where I volunteer on boards and things like that, I always joke that I'm a terrible board member. Uh, but what I what I always say is, I don't like going to board meetings. And what I always tell the person who's ever in charge, I'll say, look. Give me one job to do, and I will blow you away with how great a job I'll do it. Having said that, I'm not going to be able to attend a lot of meetings. And I've just openly said that, and it's gone great for me. And I've been able to really service a lot of boards... But the work I've done, I've done, you know, at six in the morning, um, you know, when everyone in the house is asleep, and I'm I'm trying to just knock stuff out that way. Sure. So I still serve, and I still do some good things, but again, there's boundaries to it, right? And there's some things we can do as a family, or there's some things me and my wife can do, uh, but there's a continual importance of discernment. And, you know, sometimes I think when I was younger, I would think I have to do this because no one else will like, like, but you know, that's, that's a control issue. And that was Judas's problem, right? Judas wanted to control. And, you know, sometimes saying no was good because it makes somebody else step up so that's 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 what happens
0: no i mean it's powerful powerful words because it, it you know the volunteering thing can get out of control but as long as you've got it in control but it's you, you filter that control thing through your wife hey it is are things okay are you okay with where i'm at or what do you think about me volunteering for this that's a good filter and also to ask the kids hey Dad's thinking about doing this. What do you think? Are you okay with that? Am I gone too long? Give me some feedback. Um, that, that's a powerful thing. But you know, it's important that we recognize, certainly as the Christian leaders in our household, as men, that our number one goal in life is to draw as close to our heavenly Father as possible. That's right. our number one goal. Right. Our number two. Our number one ministry is to our spouse, because mm-hmm. we're assuming they're already Christ followers when we marry them. That's our number one ministry. Our number one mission is our children leading them to christ and if we've got those three things out of whack none of the other stuff we do means anything that's right i mean that's it, that's kind of I was hoping for some more than that i mean no, so I'm sorry. how do you how do you get how do you get how do you get that feedback from your wife i mean do you ever ask her hey honey do you think i'm
2: volunteering too much oh absolutely i mean sometimes uh sometimes she tells me sometimes i ask her but it I think she and I are both still learning that, too. We're still both working that out. You know, a lot of times what we talk about is the church we're in now is not the church we thought we would be in, in the sense of how church worked when we were kids, where you went to Sunday school and church and and things like that. It's not like that now. Churches run differently. And so she and I both have... Had to kind of think about that differently. Again, we're both very close to Christ, but um, we're always trying to fine tune that and fine tune how we're connecting together. I, I will also tell you this: the uh, there's an opposite thing that's also true, and that is um, sometimes uh, I think some 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 women, and we're we're kind of stereotyping in a way because obviously you're right. A lot of people, both well, people, work, and that's that's a good thing too. Um, but might get on the husband about traveling too much. But the reality is there is some travel involved, and uh, hard work is important, and hu- husbands do need to provide. You know, there could be an opposite where a husband's not working hard enough. And so one thing that's really cool that my wife does is that if I or do have to travel, um, she tells the kids, you know, you know, dad's away because he's paying for you know, your clothes. And, and she really teaches them to be appreciative of that, of the roles we have in our family and the roles we're trying to do. So that's cool.
0: All right, now just real quick, you know, why not, why, you know, you should be a pastor or maybe a politician. What, what are you thinking? I mean, it, you've, got, you've got, you know, I don't have a lot of time for a comment, but I mean, just why not a pastor?
2: Your dad was a pastor, you said. I, I, I am, in a way, uh, because of the work, I just do it through my work. I mean. So you're a pastor at work. Well, you know, we have to define that, because I don't want to disrespect people who have theological degrees. I, I certainly do no, not. And but I that's could, not disrespectful. No, no, but I, I can't do that. But here's the thing. I can love people, and I can care for people, and I can um, uh, really do all I can to pour myself into them. And so I feel, what I feel like is that, can I be effective and be purposeful and in my workplace and impact people? And the answer is Yes. And so, that's being a pastor.
0: yeah. I and mean, that, That's really being a pastor. All right, listen, we're coming to the end of another I Work For Him show. Tomorrow night, we've got guest show host Eric Most. He'll be bringing on business leaders to share how Christ is working in their business each and every day. And we got Eric coming in because I've got jury duty. That's right, jury duty. That's right, I'm fulfilling my civic duty, so tune in tomorrow night for Eric Most, his first time as my guest show host. The I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in a workplace, so I just want you to ask yourself, are you a Christ follower? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you've allowed Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life? If you want to know more about that, just email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at I work the number for him.com. You're listening to the I Work For Him Show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.